We pick up our summer reality show, Bloom Where You're Planted, with, with Joseph in prison unjustly, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of rape. Joseph had acted with integrity and honor, but the circumstantial evidence was convincing. Now here in Genesis 40, deep in the throes of prison life, two new characters enter the plot. You can turn to Genesis 40 if you would like. There's Bibles uh, on the rack under the chair in front of you. And this part of the saga encompasses all of chapter 40, 23 verses riveting in themselves, but instrumental in setting the stage for what comes next. Enter two of Pharaoh's top officials, the chief of the butlers and the chief of the bakers. I don't know where the candlestick maker is. <laughs> Joseph would, would reach out to them in their dark hour. He would help them interpret their dreams. And, and while it was appreciated, it was soon forgotten. Joseph has been in the pit. He's been in Potiphar's house. He's been in temptation, in prison. And now here in part five, he's in neglect. Verse 1 of chapter 40 says, It came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. That's Pharaoh. Uh, we don't have any details of how they offended him. As is often the case, we know just enough. Verse 2, Pharaoh was wroth. He was angry with his two officers against the chief of the butlers and the chief of the bakers. He put them in, in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. And he served them. And they continued a season in ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. Now, I don't know why this strikes me funny. Verse 7, And he asked Pharaoh's officers, Joseph did, that were with him in the ward, in prison, in the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad? Now, don't you hate that guy? The always happy guy. The all perky in the morning guy. I mean, we're all in prison here. We're all chained up in the bottom of a dungeon somewhere. And Joseph comes in and says, Why are you so sad? <laughs> He's like the eternal optimist. The guy who's falling from the top of a skyscraper. He's plummeting toward the ground. And someone in an office on the 10th floor overhears him say, So far, so good. Joseph is that guy. Verse 8, And they said unto him, We've dreamed a dream, and there's, there's no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? I, I love that. Joseph uh, recognizes his source. So in the midst of everyday life, in the midst of the situations presented by these guys, Joseph witnesses. Do not interpretations come from God? 
Verse 9, And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said unto him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and, and in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, the butler said, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave it into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up your head and restore you into your place, and you shall deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner as you did when you were his butler. Verse 14, Joseph pleads his case. But think on me when it's well with you. And show kindness, Joseph says, I pray unto me. And make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon. Verse 16, when the chief baker, that was the butler we were talking about there, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he says unto Joseph, I also had a dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket there was all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets, three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up your head from off of you and shall hang you on a tree and the birds shall eat your flesh from off of you. It came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. Find that to be interesting. By the way, today's my anniversary. Six years. I'm not above cheap applause. Pharaoh's birthday, verse 20, that he made a feast unto all his servants. He lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief butler to his butlership again. And he gave the cup, the butler gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Verse 22, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to him. Verse 23, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forgot him. As we read the passage, we see the, the character of Joseph shine through. He certainly has his own problems, but when the butler and the baker find themselves accused of wrongdoing and incarcerated, Joseph is there to comfort them. Who would understand better than Joseph? 2 Corinthians 1 Verses 3 and 4, it says, Blessed be God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Verse 4, who comforts us in all of our tribulation. Why? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. No one is more qualified to offer comfort than the one who has been there themselves. Now it's significant to remember that Joseph didn't even belong here. Why should he help anybody? But Joseph was bigger than that. Joseph always played the hand he was dealt. Joseph always found a way, 
as the title of our series says, to bloom where he was planted. He's reminiscent of Christ himself, who also suffered wrongly. Pilate even brought Jesus out before the crowd and said, I find no fault with him. Galatians 6.9 reminds us not to be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. Joseph had learned as a, as a boy and as a young man not to seek vengeance. Hear me, church. After being sold by his brothers, he had no means of retaliation. The miles were insurmountable. His freedom was restricted. He could either let bitterness develop a stronghold in his soul, or he could let it go. He could give it to God, knowing that God alone can right every wrong. And Joseph absolutely knew that he was wronged. It says it very clearly in verse 15. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and here also I've done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon. Romans had not even been written yet, but Joseph clearly lived by the principles found there in chapter 12. Recompense no man, evil for evil, it says. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Verse 18, if it's possible, as much as lies with you, live peaceably with all men. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. In other words, put wrath in its rightful place. For it is written, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him to drink. For in so doing, you heap coals of fire upon his head. Verse 21, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. The ability to give his situation over to God kept Joseph from being overcome with evil. It kept him from growing bitter. It enabled him to maintain a sweet spirit in the midst of unthinkable circumstances. Satan was not in control in the life of Joseph. Joseph had put wrath in its place. He had given it to God. We would be wise to learn from Joseph. Trying to implement justice for the entire world is exhausting. I've tried. It's a lot of plates to keep spinning. All in all, a very stressful way to live. Holding on to grudges and bitterness can produce stress in your life. Let me ask you if you're under stress. In fact, I have some signs that you may be under stress. I read these in Sunday school a couple weeks ago. They didn't get any laughs there. We'll try them here. <laughs> Top ten signs you're under too much stress. Number ten, you have so much bile in your mouth that your spit dissolves concrete. Number nine, you can take your pulse by watching the vein in your temple. Number eight, you say the same sentence over and over again, not realizing that you've said it before. Number seven, you have an irresistible urge to bite the noses of the people you're talking to. You might be under a lot of stress. Number six, you eat spoonfuls of instant coffee in an attempt to reduce your blood pressure. To reduce your blood pressure. 
to reduce your blood pressure. Is this on? It's a tough crowd. Say, number five, you say the same sentence over and over again, not realizing that you've said it before. You might be under a lot of stress. Number four, if the sun is too loud. If you can see individual air molecules vibrating. Number two, you might be under a lot of stress if you're taken hostage by a crazed terrorist and you actually enjoy the experience because for once you can sit back and relax while someone else handles the details. <laughs> and the number one sign you might be under too much stress, you say the same sentence over and over again, not realizing. <laughs> Hey, don't try to make your way back into my good graces. Now, letting go of the, of, the, in, of the weight of the world reduces stress. It's just not our job to carry out justice. Handling what we're meant to handle and trusting God with the rest will lighten our load, and that will be beneficial in many ways. And there are many benefits to less stress. And this isn't the funny list here, but... Uh, one of the benefits of less stress is, is weight loss. And I put that on the top of the list because I thought it might appeal to some of you. Uh, another benefit is, is, is feeling good or, or happiness, some, some might call it. If you, if, you're, if you have less stress in your life, you're going to be happier. A healthy immune system, better sleep, longer life, better relationships, a healthy heart, relief from aches and pains because... Stress produces tension, which has lots of negative effects. Uh, number nine, increased memory. You won't be saying sentences that you've never said before over and over again. And number ten, a better outlook on life. And Joseph is a good example of all this. Joseph's unassailable attitude and his ability to not allow a root of bitterness to take hold is what helped Joseph stay healthy mentally physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and enabled him to minister to others, like the butler and the baker, in the midst of his own troubles. But Joseph had to live with hope deferred. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Some things just take Time. Some things require you to pay your dues before it can happen. Sometimes hope is deferred. My grandpa was born in 1902. Ought to, as he used to say. He told me that when he got his driver's license, he simply sent in $2 and the license came in the mail. Times have changed. But there are still times we wish we could skip the process, send in our two bucks, and get it done. Doesn't often work that way. We wish we could send in two bucks and be in shape, right? Be better than working out, watching our diet, counting calories for sure. We don't like the idea of having to save before we buy something. So we, we buy it on credit. We don't like the idea of hope deferred. One of the last batch of graduates, I guess it would be in May, that we honored, included Alex Johnson. 
And Alex received his Master of Education uh, in teaching after 18 long months of studies. Now that Alex is done, he's sitting right over here, his wife Megan will continue her education as she per pursues a master's in HR management for the next year and a half. You can't just send in your $2 and get your degree. You must wait patiently, pay your dues, do your studies, and then when all the papers are written, when all the tests are taken, you get your degree. It takes time and patience and work. Hope deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart sick. Joseph expresses that hope in verse 14 when he says to the butler, Think on me. When it's, when it's well with you, remember me. And show kindness unto me. And make mention of me to Pharaoh. And bring me out of this house. Remember me, Joseph says. Hope deferred makes me think of Abraham and Sarah who had, who had to wait 24 years after they received the promise of God before the son of the promise was, was finally born. We tend to forget the time span involved. And that was a battle for Abraham. A man known for his faith. And yet he faltered after 11 years, and the result was Ishmael. But he got back up, he dusted himself off, and he jumped back into the fray. And the Bible records Abraham's faith journey this way in Romans 4, beginning in verse 18. Who against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, and being not Weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was imputed unto Abraham as righteousness. The promise was given. And 24 years passed. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Alex has his degree in hand. The desire has come. The dream is realized. It's a, it's a tree of life. But for Megan, hope is deferred. 24 years after the promise, Isaac was born. The son of Abraham's old age, the son of the promise, the one sent of God to give way to descendants, as many as the stars of the heavens and the sand of the seashore. When the desire was realized, the promise fulfilled, it was a, it was a tree of life. Isaac would beget Jacob. Jacob would give birth to 12 sons, one of which was Joseph, who we study this summer. An amazing man, Joseph. A type of Christ. A picture of the Savior. Still to come. Some 1,700 years. Yet future in the time of Joseph. Hope deferred. Makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, when it finally comes, 
It's a tree of life. As the butler was restored to his position before Pharaoh, Joseph says, remember me. But the Bible records a tragic turn of events. The chief butler, verse 23, did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And we find our guy Joseph in neglect. Those are harsh words, I forgot. It's a devastating feeling to be forgotten. I was going to recommend you for a job. I forgot. I was going to call you to go fishing. I forgot. I was going to stop by and visit. I forgot. It's one thing to be hated. At least there's some passion there. At least they know you exist. It's another thing altogether to be neglected. The opposite of love isn't hate. It's indifference. So day after day, Joseph went about his duties in neglect. He hoped to receive some token of the butler's appreciation, but he was forgotten. Week after week, Joseph fought to keep hope alive. Every, every time the lock of the door rattled, his, his hope was stirred. Maybe it's the butler. Maybe now. Maybe today. Maybe this time. He didn't know it yet, but for two years, two more years, he would be in prison. Hope deferred. Two more years in the big house. Somewhere in those long, agonizing weeks during the accumulation of months came the cold realization. He was forgotten. Joseph was in neglect. Two more years, 24 months of silence, Max Licato writes, 104 weeks of waiting, 790 days of wondering, 2,190 meals alone, 17,520 hours of listening for God, yet hearing nothing but silence. Plenty of time to grow bitter, cynical, and angry. Folks have given up on God for lesser reasons in shorter times. But not Joseph. Psalm 130 says, Out of the depths have I cried out to thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. Verse 3, If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that you may be feared. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in His word do I hope. And in His word do I hope. Verse 6, My soul waits for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Joseph was in neglect, and yet somehow he managed to remain healthy. Verse 5 of that psalm, Psalm 130 says, In His word do I hope. There are many issues that can develop out of neglect. There are several unhealthy behaviors that can develop from being forgotten and abandoned. I know I have most of them. Let me give you some quick effects of neglect. Number one is a failure to thrive. Some people continually sabotage their own success, somehow believing they don't deserve it. A number of years ago, 
I started receiving letters from a guy in prison in southern Wisconsin. And he had been in prison for many years. His release date was coming. It was still a way off. Uh, as that release date came closer, I began to receive calls from one of his relatives. And the reason they were interested in me was that he was going to be moving from southern Wisconsin to Superior. He was going to stay in a halfway house here in Superior. We knew the date that he would be here. The Sunday, uh, a certain Sunday would be his first Sunday here in church. And we were looking forward to it. Well, that Sunday came and went. And no sign of him. And during that next week, after Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, we, we began to hear a story on the news of how the Poplar Bank was robbed. The guy had taken a taxi cab from Superior and robbed the Poplar Bank and was caught immediately and sent off to prison. And my wife Rhonda, in her wisdom, says, you don't suppose that this is that guy. And I said, no, you know, what are the odds? I'm a logical thinker. Well, sure enough, we found out it was that guy. All these years in prison, he finally gets out. He takes a cab to the bank, robs it. it it's almost like he can't stand the thought of his own success. Some people uh, just have an inability to thrive, and that can often be rooted in neglect. Another uh, effect of neglect, attachment disorders, from codependence to avoidance. Neglected people can isolate to avoid the possibility of pain, or they can become desperate and cling to a relationship in unhealthy ways. Another uh, effect is an inability to regulate emotions. Neglect can lead to everything from flatlining emotionally to bouts of rage and anger. Emotions can rule the roost in a person suffering the effects of neglect. And number four, problems in cognitive development. People who spend time in neglect often struggle to think right. Their perspective may become distorted or blurred. Left to ourselves, our thinking can run amok. How should we think? What is healthy thinking? It, it's hard to know. It's impossible, really, without the Word of God as a guide. In His Word do I hope, the psalmist said. Philippians gives us a wonderful, figurative, neural pathway to follow. How should we think? Philippians 4.8 says, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there, if there be any virtue, if they're praiseworthy, think on these things. Now Joseph was disappointed in man, but he held tenaciously to God. The butler let him down, but God would never forget him. Philippians holds us steady as we abide in the corridors of our mind where the battles are won or lost. What kind of things should we think about? Number one, things that are true. What's the truth? I tell you what, that question, what's the truth, has saved me over and over again over the years. You're a loser. No one loves you. You can't do anything right. You'll never amount to anything. 
How do we counter those lies? With the truth. Well, what's the truth? The truth is, according to John 1.12, that I'm a child of God. The truth is, according to the Word of God, I'm Christ's friend. The truth is, I'm chosen and appointed by Christ. The truth is, I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm a dwelling place of God. The truth is, I'm a member of the body of Christ. The truth is, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, that I'm a new creation. The Bible says, in fact, I'm a saint. It says I'm God's workmanship and I'm created to do His work. It says I'm righteous and I'm holy in the sight of God. It says I'm a citizen of heaven and I'm chosen of God. It says I'm a child of the light. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that I'm a member of the royal priesthood, a holy nation. It says I'm born of God and the devil cannot touch me in 1 John 5.18. I've been justified according to Romans 5.1. I'm completely forgiven and made righteous I'm free from condemnation Romans 8 1 says I've been bought with the price I belong to God I've been made righteous I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing I've been redeemed I've been forgiven I'm a recipient of the extravagant grace of God I've been made alive with Christ Ephesians 2 5 says I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians 2.18, I can approach God with boldness, in freedom and confidence. I've been redeemed. I've been forgiven of all my sins. The debt against me has been canceled. I, have, I am complete in Christ. I have a spirit of power. I have a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind. I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And this life that I now live by faith in the Son of God yeah. is from Him, the one who loves me and who gave Himself for me. And that's the truth. How, how, how should we think? It starts with the truth because it's the truth, church, that will set you free. How else should we think? Honest. The word honest means venerable or honorable. Our thoughts should be just, which means equitable in character or innocent. Pure, modest, chaste, clean. Are your thoughts modest, chaste, clean? Lovely, which means friendly towards. Are your thoughts lovely? Are your thoughts friendly towards? And acceptable. Good report means well spoken of, reputable. Virtuous speaks of excellence. Praiseworthy means commendable. Are your thoughts commendable? That's how we should think. These are the things that we should dwell on. Well, let me wrap this up and I'll have the worship team come. Maybe you live in neglect. Joseph did. Maybe you live in neglect on the job, in your marriage. Maybe you have no friends. Perhaps your family has abandoned you. Living in neglect gives you a lot of time to think. So make sure you think right. And Philippians 4.8 can be that narrow pathway of thought. Again, I remind you of the faithfulness of the man Joseph, even in neglect. Hope deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart sick. 
But when it is realized, it's a tree of life. When the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Is he all right back there? Here's an interesting little sideline. Where do we find the tree of life in the Bible? It's really found in, in two places. Other than this, this uh, kind of metaphorical mention in the, in the smack in the middle of the Bible in Proverbs. The other two mentions, one is in the Garden of Eden, before the fall of man. And the other mention is in Revelation in heaven, after the renovation of heaven and earth. So we find the tree of life in, in the world before sin and in the world after sin. In the world as God designed it to be, in the world as, as God created it to be, we, we find the, the tree of life. Until then, hope is deferred. <coughs> Like Joseph stuck in prison, in neglect, we must choose to be faithful. And when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Would you bow your head with me? Lord, for the one that's here today, and they're lost, they need Jesus. If the world came to an end today, if they died today, uncertainty is the best they could hope for. Lord, I pray that today they would leave with an assurance that if they will confess their sins, if they will surrender their life to you, they can be a child of God. And though hope is still deferred, there's a promise of a coming day. A tree of life. Lord, we recognize that we'll never be good enough on our own. We need Jesus. We need, a, we need a Savior. We need the one you sent into the world to, be, to become a man. God in human flesh. No sinful nature. Live the perfect life and qualified him to take our place, to pay our price. He did that on Calvary's cross. Three days later, he, he was raised from the dead. He defeated death in the grave that we might experience the tree of life and live forever. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Today, you would like to have that assurance of salvation. Would you, would you slip up your hand so that I can include you in our closing prayer? Just, just slip up your hand so that I know that this part of the service pertains to you. Church, I'm going to ask you to pray. Would you pray for those that are struggling with this decision this morning? You need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I exhort you, if you're if your heart's pounding out of your chest, I believe the Spirit is speaking to you. And I encourage you to respond to him today. You need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
For others, maybe hope is deferred in your life. If that part resonated with you, feels like a long way off when it might be realized. Maybe you're uncertain if it'll ever be realized. Hope is deferred. I encourage you to remember Joseph. Remember Joseph's faithfulness in the midst of uncertainty. Faithfulness in the midst of adversity. But if that speaks to you today, you're in the hope is deferred part of your life, would you raise your hand so I can include you in our closing prayer? Hope is deferred in your life. Raise your hand. Thank you. God bless you. Someone else today. God bless you. I see those hands all over the auditorium. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Lord, we, we look to Joseph today. He's a, he's a type of Christ. I don't know how he did it when I read his story. I'm amazed at how in the worst of circumstances he found joy and he, he served you with integrity. He walked with honor and grace. Lord, you helped him. It says numerous times that the Lord was with Joseph and everything he put his hand to prosper. Lord, I want that to be said of me. Lord, I pray for those that are in a period of hope deferred. Hope deferred, it says, makes the heart sick. Some are waiting for a relationship to be restored. Some are waiting for the disease to be cleansed from their body. Some are waiting for direction. Some are waiting for the promotion. Some are waiting for whatever it might be. Fill in the blank. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when it's realized... It's a tree of life. In the meantime, Lord, we endeavor to walk in faithfulness as Joseph did. In Jesus' name, amen.